Mini episode 1386 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1388. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here, and I have two of my favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries with me. And uh, the last couple of years, uh, they have been the most likely two gentlemen to be on with me when we are talking all things baseball. And uh, you would be correct in deducing that's what we're doing today. It's the 2021 MLB playoff preview. And uh, we are going through and uh, taking a look at the uh, AL and NL fields. And uh, to do that, uh, we bring in uh, my good friend, uh, longtime FDH Lounge dignitary, Steve Callis. You can, of course, catch him on the Callis Remarks podcast every week with another FDH Lounge dignitary and beloved friend, Joe Stazak. And uh, he is, of course, the sports editor at WestchesterCountyPost.com. And uh, again, always a pleasure to have on my man, Steve Callis. How are you doing today, Counselor? All good, Rick. Great to be with you and Ken, as always. We are, are we talking about baseball where they put a man on second in the, <laughs> in the playoffs, I hope, or... Apparently <laughs> softball, seven inning games, whatever. Just kidding. Great to be with you. I know they're getting rid of all the absurdity for the playoffs, thankfully. Yes, they yes. are. Yes, they are. The uh, the other gentleman that uh, we have in here, uh, you, you, can, you can recognize him uh, from his beloved laugh uh, that he always has. Uh, our good friend, uh, Ken Detweiler, longtime FDH Lounge dignitary, or as I always say, a dignitary before there were dignitaries, predating our show back at the old Sports Talk Network days when I was his sidekick, along with the late, great Don Coster on Life's a Pitch with Ken Detweiler. And uh, so uh, I am old school on talking baseball with this guy. And uh, Kenny D, a uh, delight and a treasure to have you on, just like Steve. Well, I love you both. You guys are great, and I look forward to this when you and you went to the pen here and asked for the old lefty, and here I am. So that's uh, right. Uh, just, just appreciate being spending the time with both of you guys. It's uh, it's a delight uh, and a pleasure, I know, for all three of us to get to do this here uh, together. And uh, I want to refer everybody here at the outset. Uh, you can find it uh, on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com. It's our 2021 FDH. MLB end of regular season breakdown. So we've got our 2021 UQB team rankings uh, in a bunch of different categories here. And uh, we average them out to, uh, in the end, to one number and just kind of use that as uh, a uh, an overall kind of guide to where these teams stand. And I have my playoff predictions on here. So I already know which way I'm going on all these games slash series. It'll be interesting to see uh, what my colleagues believe uh, is going to happen. Uh, let's start in the American League, and uh, this is a tough game for uh, anybody uh, from uh, the North Coast to watch because we are born and bred not to like either the Red Sox or the Yankees. 
and uh, they meet. So it's tough for me and Kenny. Uh, they meet in a winner-take-all game for the first time since Game 7 in 2004, and we all know how that one turned out. But uh, it is going to be a wild scene at uh, Fenway. Uh, there will be echoes of Bucky Dent in the air and all these uh, type things going on as uh, Boston and New York get it going in the postseason once again. Uh, ESPN uh, will be in their delight in getting to cover this game. And uh, it's one where I give the edge to Boston in this game, but uh, both teams come into this game uh, with, with substantial issues, I would say, uh, Steve. And uh, again, kind of an unlikely matchup from the beginning of the year because the Yankees in my book and in a lot of people's book were a solid favorite in the division, and Boston was not expected to rebound by a lot of people as quickly as they did from their 2020 season. Well, for the record, I don't remember what happened in 2004, <laughs> and I don't want you to remind anyone in case they forgot what I did. There's another story for another time. Um, yeah, this is a you know the quintessential match matchup with the Babe Ruth rivalry I've always called it, and uh, you know frankly the Red Sox have gotten way better than the Yankees the last twenty years. Um, but I'm going down to pitchers, and I know you know when I was a kid, my old man said, "I don't ever want you to bet on sports, uh, uh, but if you ever do, <laughs> just bet baseball. Don't bet anything else. You just bet the starting pitchers. The good ones are going nine all the. You know I'm talking." 50 years ago. Sure. And obviously now we're in a totally different world where if the starter comes out for the seventh inning, it's like he pitched a complete game shutout. But that's where we are. This matchup is interesting to me for a number of reasons. Garrett Cole, he's been up and down. People have tried to make him a Cy Young candidate. I don't. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, you know, Sale pitched yesterday. I thought they might keep Sale for tomorrow. Um, but they decided not to. He came back late. He was five. And when he got, you know, actually got knocked out yesterday. But um, for the year, Eovaldi had pitched well against the Yankees, and Cole had not pitched well against the Red Sox. And so I can give you the stats. Uh, Garrett Cole's ERA, 6.19 ERA for three starts in Fenway. But in his last start on September 24th, you know, he had one of those six innings, three earned. They call that a quality start, which again, which when we were young, three runs in six innings was not a quality start, but whatever. And Eovaldi, on the other side, uh, had pitched great uh, against the uh, Yankees in Fenway, but his last start on September 24th, the same game against Garrett Cole, he gave up seven earned in two and two-thirds innings. So I don't know that where that leaves everyone's analysis. So his ERA is five in three starts, but he gave up seven and two and two thirds, so he pitched out of his mind in the other two games. But I give the edge to the Yankees, partly because of the last start, but partly because if you've been watching, you know, even watching the highlights of Stanton and Judge, in the last two months they hit like 37 home runs combined, mm -hmm. and that's Gary Gruth numbers to me. And frankly, even, well, not quite Gary Gruth numbers, I shouldn't go that far. But in today's game, where Stanton was missing pitches by a foot two months ago, no exaggeration. And judges couldn't seem to get started. Now they're both, I mean, Stanton in four home runs in four games, two of them were over a different sign above the green monster against the Red Sox when they swept them in Fenway 
Don't forget the Red Sox beat the Yankees the first six times they played this year. So even though the Red Sox have the home field advantage, and that's why they have it, they won the season series 10-9. to So that means to me that the Yankees beat them 9 in the last 12 games. Right. So that's what I'm looking at. Big, big miss for the Yankees. DJ LeMahieu, who has not been DJ LeMahieu all year, he had 364 last year in the short season, led the American League. He's around 270 this year, and he just didn't look like him. And now they tell him he's got a sports hernia. He took a cortisone shot. I guess there's a chance he'll play, but I've had a sports hernia. <laughs> well, I was actually playing baseball, and um, boy, it's going to be hard other than maybe, I would say maybe, to be a DH. But they're really going to miss him, but they haven't had the same DJ LeMahieu all year. So we're just going to talk about that one game. Um, I like the Yankees, and I guess we'll talk Yankees race, and I'll go into it more in detail. But that's kind of where I am. That's who I like. And you know these games are wars. But I think the Yankees have a little more momentum both against the Red Sox and because of what Judge and Stanton are doing. Uh, to take nothing away from, you know, Devers and, and those guys. I mean, they're really good as well. Uh, I will say one more thing, though. I don't know if you guys saw this, but J.D. Martinez was running out to the outfield yesterday. And, you know, in a game they had to win, and they were losing like 5-1, I think. Uh, he was running out to the outfield, and believe it or not, he tripped over second base running out to the outfield before an inning, and he had to come out of the game. So, I don't know what his status is for tomorrow, but he didn't play yesterday. Right. After that happened, and that's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen, and I just saw a replay of it, and the guy's just literally jogging out. I guess he didn't, didn't look where he was going, and maybe he's one of those guys who tries to touch a base, but he, like, stubbed his foot, and he, to, he literally came out of the game right then and there. So that's kind of weird, as you guys know, he's a big part of what they do. But I yes. like the Yankees over the Red Sox tomorrow. Yes, very good analysis. Just a quick point of clarification here, if I may. Uh, there is always a lag time between recording and producing. So in, in actuality, when you all are hearing this, if you're hearing this fresh, the game is today. Now, I'm leaping into the future to say the game is today. And uh, I hope that uh, when I go this far into the future, the polar ice caps are still there and everything else. But uh, the, the, the American League wild card game, by the time you hear this, is today. So uh, for, for Ken Detweiler here, uh, tonight's game between the uh, Red Sox and the Yankees, how do you see it playing out? As much as I hate the Yankees, I have to go along with Steve on this. Um, with one caveat, and that caveat is, Eric and I agree with Steve, so don't quote me on all this, but uh, <laughs> no, you can't. At any rate, um, Cole has had hamstring issues. And from what I've been hearing and listening to and somewhat watching periodically, he uh, Boston can hit his fastball or people, some of the teams are hitting Cole's fastball. But if the hamstring is okay and he's ready to go, that's I'd give the edge to Cole. Uh, and then also with pitching, Devers has done a, has been coming on like gangbusters as of yesterday anyway and before that. But uh, both teams match up well as far as the pitching as far as the hitting goes. Um, I don't think either one of the teams have extraordinary pitching staffs. So, but it's the Yankees and they do have the edge in these kind of games where it's just one game and go home or move on. So. 
I'm just going to go with the Yankees on that. I like Cole better than better than Evaldi. Um, so that's where I'm going to go with it. Is I'm just going to go with the Yankees. I understand where both of you guys are coming from on that, and certainly the edge in starting pitching has to go to the Yankees. Uh, albeit uh, we might not have thought that at midseason when they first started cracking down on things like uh, Garrett Cole and the uh, the pine tar and all that kind of stuff, but uh, he appears to have put that in the rear view, at least for now. And uh, in, in looking at how this is go- going to go subsequently here, uh, whether it's Boston against uh, Tampa Bay or the Yankees against Tampa Bay, uh, I must admit, as, as I said this at the outset, uh, as somebody who doesn't like either team, I would rather be right about this because I don't know that Boston has the legs to go on a long run versus the Yankees. I guess I can see it a little bit easier of where they could really get it together and be the team that I thought was going to come out of the American League at the beginning of the year to begin with. So uh, in in terms of how this goes, though, uh, again, uh, for both of them, they've been looking up at Tampa Bay all year long. And in the case of the Yankees, they have a history of not getting it done against Tampa Bay in the postseason. So Steve, I'll start with you here on uh, Tampa Bay, uh, what they would be looking at here uh, in the American League Division Series. Well, I have to say, after watching every inning of all three games, Yankees-Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay playing for nothing, Yankees playing for everything, and Tampa Bay just manhandled them. I don't know how they do it. You know, I go back to Joe Madden. I thought he was kind of the key, but Kevin Cash has, has taken his place and done as well or better the things they do. The people they have, the, they invented the opener. They were the first to use the shift. Uh, they've really changed, for better or worse, <laughs> the way the game of baseball is played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But after watching those three games, I have to say, um, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay to beat the Yankees. They just, you know, you could talk for an hour about Tampa Bay because they have an hour's worth of players. Yes. I mean, they got guys on top of guys on top of guys. And they change so much, you can't really, I mean, you can stop them, but it's not like, uh, even present day for a lot of teams where they have, generally they have the same eight, maybe they have one or two platoons. These guys, you just have no idea who's playing where. I, I will say, I think they got a great pickup in Nelson Cruz. People are saying, yeah, he hasn't really hit that well. But this guy steps in, I think he's the oldest guy ever to hit over 30 home runs or something. He's 41. Um and I saw him hit a home run against the Yankees in the first inning. He's just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But I don't want to go crazy on all of them. But, you know, they have a guy, Drew Rasmussen. And I'm like, who? Drew Rasmussen? <laughs> he came up in August. He's got eight starts. He's got eight starts. He's got a 1.46 ERA. He only pitches five innings. But he's given up one home run in 37 innings. You know how incredible that is in the major leagues. I know you guys do. You give up one home run in four games now. Yeah. And like it's like a miracle. Yeah. So and, and I'm just I'm just giving you one thing. The most incredible thing about Tampa Bay to me is no Blake Snell. You remember the fiasco in the World Series last year? Right. <laughs> you know, no Charlie Morton. Uh, Tyler Glass now hurt his. You know, he's gone with Tommy John. Doesn't look like their three best pitchers last year. Yep. But this year, they're just, they're just yeah. showing up with a whole bunch of other guys. Um, and I'll really go, you know, it's hard really to talk about their starters. <laughs> because their starters are often relievers. But, you know, they got Castillo in the bullpen. He's got 14 saves and a 2.72 ERA. 
And then they got this guy, Kitteridge, who pitched over the weekend, and he's got a 1.88 ERA with eight saves. McHugh has a 1.55 ERA. I mean, they got a guy who came up later, Fire Reason, who's 4-2 and two with a 2.45 ERA. And you just go, who are these guys after guys after guys? And you'll be disappointed in my research, but this year, disappointingly, I'm disappointed in myself, <laughs> I look at all the guys, including on Tampa, and I kind of just look at their home runs and RBIs. Batting average, if you're hitting over 250, it's like you're a star. Right. But again, you look at some of these guys, and I'll go. The, the one guy who I will talk about is Brandon Lau had three home runs against the Yankees the other day and hadn't at bat for a fourth. Didn't get one. But last year, you'll remember, he was horrific. He was terrible in the postseason. Right. But they got guys Lau, 39 home runs, 99 RBIs. Mike Zanino, 33 home runs, 62 RBIs. My favorite is Austin Meadows, who has 27 homers and 106 RBIs, and he batted 7th or 8th the entire year. Yeah. How does a guy who bats 7th or 8th get 106 RBIs? It's incredible. They got a Rosarina, who you remember, lit him up last year. He's still a rookie this year. Yes. And Wanda uh, Franco is a 20-year-old rookie, 288. I mean, again, you know, G-Man Choi has some pop. Brett Phillips has some pop. Nelson Cruz is there. Yamandi Diaz. So if you start talking about their players, they got like, I'll say, you know, 12 or 13, whatever they have now. And all 12 or 13 of them have some pop and they play a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and the pitchers, the other 12 or 13 guys are pitchers and they move, they move them back and forth all year. It's just incredible what they've done. They got a guy named Shane Boss who pitched against the Yankees. They brought him up. He now has three starts in the major leagues. He's 2-0. and with a 2.03 ERA, he shut out the Yankees for a few innings, but then, you know, he had no decision. But he's pitched 13 innings, and his ERA is 2.03, and he throws like 100. Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about guys throwing 95 anymore. So I'll stop with all that. It's just when you start to look at them and absorb what they are, it's more to absorb, I think, than any other team in baseball. Well, it, it, that's, once again, really wonderful analysis. I'm going to say this as far as uh, the, the guys who got away uh, in, in the offseason here and the way that they reloaded. There's one of, the, one of the great memes of this age, and that's saying something, is uh, the one of a guy pointing toward his head. Uh, tapping his head like to show how smart he is. A guy who looks kind of like uh, uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, and, and the theme of the meme is you can't blank if you don't blank. Well, for the Rays it would be you can't pull bl Snell too early if you don't have Snell. That's basically how that one would go. So, you know. So. Uh, you know, Rick, I, I just want to say this, Rick. It's going to be so interesting because you'll recall last year, after Kevin Cash made the biggest mistake this side of uh, Pete Carroll mm -hmm. and the Super Bowl, I, I think I, I, I so wonder, because you remember, oh, I did the same thing again, third time through the order. And, you know, that's the problem with the analytics. They're so glued to it. He, did, he couldn't see what Snell was doing. Right. And, and I think that's one of the reasons Snell is gone. I think he wanted out. Because, yes. You know, give him credit, he's a gamer. But I, I, I just wanted to say, I'll be fascinated if the same thing happens this year. If he actually pulls the guy third time through the order, because I just don't, if someone's pitching a lights out game like Snell was, and he was pitching the game of his life, it would be fascinating, and it's a possibility to me that this could happen this year in the playoffs. Well, again, uh, the, the great organization that they've uh, built there, uh, again, as you said, Madden with the, uh, as the on-field manager, 
uh, you know, sort of originated it. Kevin Cash is very much plugged into the Matrix as far as how they do this there, and uh, he's a very, very yeah. smart guy, even if he's been too much by the analytics book. My, my money would be on him adjusting when and if he needs to. Uh, Ken, how do you see it for Tampa Bay uh, against, uh, you've got them playing the Yankees here uh, in what would be the uh, divisional series? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Rays. Just and Steve, you gotta be loving this stuff, but because uh, I'm agreeing with you at every turn here. So, but uh, quote an old movie: Who are those guys? Right. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like how do they do it? And it's just like, and you you put it the best right there, both of you guys talking about this. My my one question came up as I'm listening to you folks. Do you think it was Kevin Cash? I'm going with a, a theory that might be, you know, way off, way off line, out of line here. But um, maybe somebody from up above said, hey, get him out of there. It, uh, wow, look, looks like as somebody. Far as, as far as management goes. Looks like somebody maybe just watched Cash. Mon- maybe he was just a sacrificial lamb that says, okay, yeah, I'll do it again, I'll do it again. Well, so, looks like. A, I think, I, I'll say. I say I think in today's world, Ken, that's a possibility. That's that's how it's changed. The the manager who's the king of his castle and makes every decision is not that anymore. There's very few of that. But I think you you know you might have a point there. It's not out of the realm. Don't you think we would have heard about it somehow though? Well, if that was the case. You would think, yeah. In, yeah. in, in terms so in like terms in terms of that theory. Uh, Steve, I think we can uh, deduce that uh, Ken watched the Moneyball movie just the other day. I think well, that's why that theory's in his head. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, when Art Howe was the manager of the best, they said they called down to him all the time. Yep. They told him what to do. Yep. Yeah. So it's a possibility, I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long shot, but it's just, it's out there. And, and, and you know, it, it pains me the fact that I'm, I'm choosing the Reds, and this is, this is, Purely, purely personal, as far as the way the game is be play, is played and all this stuff. That has got to be the god awful looking ball field at the when the Rays. And I, geez, I really don't want to watch game after game after game. Uh, on, you know, if they've got home field advantage in the next round or whatever. Yep. And it's just you know, like, I'll, I'll say this, Ken. I actually went to a game there once. That's a great story that I'll just say for another time. But it looked to me like they were playing baseball on the pool table. And then when you looked up in the air, I mean, the roof there is the craziest, wackiest, which which place did it hit? Is it a double? Is it a home run? Is it a foul ball? Uh, it really is beyond stupid. And for a team to have done that well for that long uh, yeah. and still can't get a field, you know, I'm not in favor of teams moving, but if they can find a better place because that's been a really good team now for a really long time, I know they haven't won at all, but they're always like in the mix again with who are these guys? Yeah, well, you know, it really is. It's it's and it's going to be good because you're right. It, both of you guys are right with this. As far as as far as the Rays and the Yankees go, the Rays own these guys. I mean, they could have swept them this past week. Yeah, that's right. Should have probably should have. That's right. Um, but uh, so I'm going off the Rays. Yeah, I am as well. I'm saying Tampa Bay over Boston in four. I will say. Notwithstanding what you guys said, the negatives about Tampa Bay, and we, you know, we could go beyond the the, the, the crappy you know field slash facility to the way that how analytics uh, writ large is making the game much more unwatchable and all these other things. Notwithstanding that, for somebody like me 
The power of spite outweighs everything else. I hate Boston. I hate the Yankees. Tampa Bay all the way, baby. Take whoever they're going to be playing. I don't care about anything other than that, at least as far as that point goes. We come to the other ALDS series, the one we know is going to be in place here. A lot of uh, Speaking of spite, a lot of people are still feeling it towards Houston, but uh, without the benefit of any trash cans uh, getting banged on this year, uh, the Astros came back and had a year uh, reminiscent of what they did 2017 to 2019. They've got Chicago in what I think is going to be a fantastic series. I am so psyched for a couple of these uh, ALDS and NLDS series. This is one I see going five. I'm going to say Houston in five by the tiniest of margins. But, uh, Steve, uh, this is one that could really go either way. Two excellent, excellent ball clubs. Well, I know I shocked you guys before the season when I picked the White Sox to win it all, but I am using my pre-playoff prerogative to jump off the White Sox bandwagon. Not because I think they're terrible, not because I don't think they can win it all, but I think this is an awful matchup for them. And and in my bracket, as with yours, if they somehow beat Houston, then at the base play Tampa Bay. I just don't think they can do beat them either. But I like the Astros, and I just want to give you a comparison that I saw um, between the Astros and the White Sox season series. The Astros won five games, the White Sox won two. The Astros scored 35 runs, the White Sox scored 23. The White Sox did out homer of 9-7, to seven, but the Astros OPS is 682 to 659 for the White Sox, and here's where the big difference becomes, I think. The starters ERA for the Astros is 3.30 to 4.66 for the White Sox. And the bullpen ERA is 3.12 for the Astros versus 4.79 for the White Sox. And I just think based on that alone, without saying anything else about anybody, um, I just think that's too big a hill for them to climb, although I like them. And don't forget, whatever we think of the cheaters, and I hate the Astros more than you guys, but um, they're still really, 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 really good. Those guys are really good players. They should be sullied for life, but you know, Altuve, 31 homers, 83 RBIs this year. Correa, healthy, 26-92. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, you love this stat, fellas. He became the fourth player in the history, I'm sorry, uh, one, two, three, four, he became the sixth player in the history of baseball to win a batting title, hitting 319, by the way, which is another comment on the game. Right. Um, to win a batting, a batting championship at 37 years old or older, joining an incredibly illustrious group, including Ted Williams, George Brett, Tony Gwynn, Honus Wagner, and my eternal asterisk, um, Barry Barnes. Okay. So Yuli Gurriel joins that group, but mm-hmm. now when you hit, you know they got Michael Brantley who hit three eleven, and Yuli Gurriel hit three nineteen. I'm not sure if there's any other team in baseball that had two regulars who hit three hundred or, yeah. or better. Um, and so I'm just afraid. I mean, I can go on and on about the White Sox, but uh, Giolito kind of came back to the pack eleven and nine with a three point five ERA. Tackle was 9-9 nine nine with a 5 ERA. I'm not saying they're terrible. You know, Lance Lynn, 11-6 with a 2.69. Rondon, 13-5, 2.37. They got guys, and Liam Hendricks round up with, you know, 38-6. But I just think there's too much 
Greinke and McCullers. I mean, they got they got it all over in Houston, and they really are talented. We we kill them for the cheating, and they should be killed for the cheating. But don't ever forget how good these guys are as baseball players. Um, which I you know I'm disgusted to say that, but I like the Astros to beat the White Sox. I'm going to say six, and I'll also say Tampa to beat the Yankees in six. I didn't say that before. Ken, how do you see this one going? Well, as much as I'd like to see a 1959 Sox versus Dodgers World <laughs> Series, uh, when I first started getting into baseball, that shows you how old I was. Or I am. But uh, I have to go, geez, I, this is like, I just, I have to go along with Steve again. Jeez, that kills me to say that. <laughs> but, but that's like three in a row now. For God's sakes, I ought to just go against the curve here. But um, And the reason being for me, is um, Houston is a great team, and they've been there before. Uh, yeah. The White Sox, even though they're getting healthier, and they've got you know Dylan Cease and all these other guys like you mentioned, um, with the White Sox, Steve, it is they're young and they haven't experienced this yet. And maybe I'm just old school on if you're in different sports, basketball, football, whatever baseball if you haven't been there before you don't know what to expect until you've been there and so these guys are veterans they're great houston is is uh and they uh, just know what they're doing and you know they may they may have a little chip on their shoulder uh, because of all the nonsense that went on and how they cheated to get that world series um allegedly yeah um, well not allegedly they did <laughs> um, so shame on me for saying that. So I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with Houston also because you know I just kept watching them through the season and they were struggling like most teams do periodically and then all of a sudden here they come and nobody's even talking about them at least that I'm paying attention to and uh, so experience means a lot in my in my book. So I'm gonna go with Houston. It, it does mean a lot, and I will say, too, and I'm a little bit amused by this, it goes to show you, and Chicago did get their toes wet in the postseason last year, but what an atrocious fever dream everything was a year ago with that, you know, so-called first round and all that garbage. It, it, it leaves me like a complete amnesiac a year later, like, how many games are in the ALDS and the NLDS? It's like last year. It just... Yeah. It was it was such a such a fever dream, like I say. But uh, here we are, and they're actually, you know, God forbid, they're actually playing games in the team's own parks this year. No neutral site games. Imagine that. So, uh, as as we move to the uh, National League here, uh, hey, it, Rick, yes. Hey, Rick, if I could just say one more thing, okay, uh, about the White Sox. Yeah. So this happened in the last day or two, I believe, of the regular season, where the Astros clinched home field advantage against the White Sox. And I think that's a big deal. I'm not the biggest guy in home field advantage. Obviously, you get the bat in the bottom of the ninth, and that is a big deal. But uh, as compared to, I don't know, football games or other things, uh, I don't think it's quite as big as it is in, uh, in football, for example. But the White Sox this year were 40 and 41 on the road. And for them to have to start in Houston, where, you know, well, we got to steal one of those first two games. Now, I'm not saying they won't. They might. But I'm just saying they're a much better 53-28 and 28 at home. 
40 and 41 on the road. Obviously, most teams are better at home than on the road. But that strikes me, a 13-game differential, that's really a big deal. And, oh, by the way, under 500 for a team like the White Sox. Uh, and I also think Ken made great points about experience, which I just not talk about. They've been there before, whatever we think of them. And I think, Ken, the reason you don't hear a lot about it, about them, I really think there's kind of a feeling we don't want to talk about them. We don't I want agree. the Astros. Remember last year? You didn't want the Astros to make the playoffs. And then, of course, they did, like, in the last few days, and made a run. And I think people still just hope they don't make it. I think the hatred is throughout the country. It's not just... Uh, we hate the Red Sox or the Yankees or whatever. It's everybody hates the Astros. And I still think there's something to it. And I think literally people don't want to talk about that. I know yeah, I count, don't. Count me, count me against number four. I agree with you again on that point. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of cheaters, people. Cheat, nobody likes cheaters. A lot of people uh, feel that way, uh, to be sure, uh, in in the National League here, I'm going to make the executive decision to combine for these purposes. In the interest of time and other things here, the Dodgers-St. Louis game, we'll take that along with the uh, NLDS, because uh, if either one of you guys can make a strong case for St. Louis, I'll be shocked uh, in this game here. Great late season run, but again, if you look at our uh, rankings on our end of regular season breakdown, you, you see how poorly they match up on paper with just about everybody in the playoff field here, so... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say L.A. Uh, in that one, obviously. And then I'm going to say Dodgers in seven in what I think is going to be a classic uh, NLDS series, Steve Callis. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. And I can't make a case for the Cardinals. Wayne Wright's a season pro. Had a great year, 17-7. and Yep. But, and they won 17 games in a row, as you said. But, yeah, I, I, I think it's all Dodgers. And the reason is because I think the biggest pickup, we could talk about 20 great pickups, but the biggest is Scherzer. Yep. As a Dodger, um, seven yes. and 0, seven and zero since he's been there with a one point nine eight ERA, he's still a top 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 starter. Uh, as for the Dodgers against the Giants, I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I understand the Giants always outplayed them, won the season series, picked up Chris Bryant, Posey. I don't know if he's the comeback player of the year because he opted out last year, but I'll say this. Uh, my old man was a minor league catcher in the Yankee organization before World War II, and he said, whatever you do, when I was a lefty, he said, whatever you do, don't ever let your kid be a catcher. <laughs> and I, I think, and, and you know how this works, Ken, you probably do too, also, Rick, you know, he had three fingers crooked forever. You know, sure. he caught in the late 30s, early 40s, he had yeah. crooked fingers forever, and I think Buster Posey at 34 18 homers, 56 RBIs. Here's a guy who did hit 300, 304 with a 390 on base percentage. I think taking 2020 off was the best thing he could do. And one of the reasons I think the Giants are so good uh, is because all of these guys had career years. Brandon Crawford at 34, 24 homers, 90 RBIs. But arguably one of, if not their best, certainly the guy with the most home runs, Brandon Belt, he broke his thumb. It looks like he's not going to be back, and that's a big loss. Uh, I'll compare it to Max Muncy when I get to the Dodgers. But, you know, you got a guy like Evan Longoria revived. Um, not great, but revived. And uh, Yastrzemski's grandson, 25 homers, 71 RBIs. Yeah, he hits 224, and I guess I should mention that once in a while. But his OBP was 311, so he's, you know, plus 80 whatever it is, or 90, no, 87. 
Um, and even the guy like Wilbur Flores, the ex-Med, big hits, 18 homers, 53 RBIs. So they've got a good team. The other thing I'll point out that I look negatively upon the Dodgers, um, Gaussman, of course, was a, uh, uh, a Cy Young candidate, but he was not good in the second half. He had a 4.42 ERA, at 276 average against. He did have 227 strikeouts, and he does have a, a drop-dead splitter. But he was not good, and he is the main main man on that staff. Uh, and Jake McGee, Jake McGee in the bullpen with 31 saves. They do have a great bullpen, the Giants. They lead the majors in ERA and whip. they got a guy named Tyler Rogers who appeared in 80 games, 7-1 with a 2.22 ERA. But Jake McGee, their closer, hasn't pitched since September 12th. He was just activated yesterday uh, over the weekend. He had a right oblique, and he hasn't pitched since, I think, it's September 12th. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be three weeks before he maybe pitches. And I think all of that is negative. But, again, they won the season series. They had to win the last game. They did. But I'll move to the Dodgers where everybody, oh, Fork like Kershaw. They lost Kershaw. This is going to hurt their rotation. And you guys know we've talked about this the last few years. So Clayton Kershaw is Sandy Koufax in the regular season. And I get grief for saying that, but go look at their records. Um, but he's terrible in the postseason. Now he's moved up from terrible to awful. You know, he pitched pretty well. <laughs> I remember when he pitched that play-in game, and he threw like a seven-inning shutout. And I'm like, does that really count as a postseason game? I mean, really, does it? You're playing a team that's like the seventh best in baseball. But whatever, his numbers are getting almost, almost average. But I don't think it's a big loss at all. Because I'll say it again, Max Scherzer is easily, to me, the biggest pickup. And don't forget how good Walker Bueller is. Oh, and how about Julio Reyes, 20-3? and three. Yep. Does anybody know this guy won 20 games? Right. I mean, it's just incredible. So you got Scherzer 7-0 and with a 1.98 going against the Cardinals, so that's going to help the Giants, yes. But Bueller was 16-4 and four with a 2.47 ERA. Uh, this Tony Gonsolin came up late, four and one with a three point two three when he started. Urias, I don't know why. How is he not the Cy Young winner? He's twenty and three with a two point nine six ERA. I don't know everybody for the uh, Cy Young, but he won twenty games and lost three. I mean, if he did that in like New York or or San, you know, he did it in Los Angeles, but it's Los Angeles. I still think there's a West Coast bias, even though the Giants and the Dodgers are arguably the two best. Teams, I'll throw the Rays in there as well. But you know, they got Mookie Betts, who has, in my view, been quiet. Um, but they picked up Trey Turner. He led he led the league in hitting three twenty eight. Um, and you know, you can go on and on. But Max Muncie, thirty six homers, ninety four RBIs, a huge loss. I don't know if you saw that play at first, Ken. The quintessential: the glove gets he's catching the ball while the guy's hitting the glove, and they just yeah. wreck the wrist. Uh, I, I think the latest update: he's certainly not playing. In the playing game, it doesn't look like he's going to be around for the playoffs. And I won't even go down the numbers. I'll just say the names. Justin Turner, Corey Seager, A.J. Pollock, Chris Taylor. Cody Bellinger had a horrific year. But now to replace Muncie, it might be a platoon of Cody Bellinger, who's a great fielder. And Albert Pujols, who had 12 home runs and 38 RBIs for uh, for them after the, uh, you know, when he signed with the Dodgers. I think he still can, you know, run into one every now and then. And I think he's going to get playoff time. Um, so I like the Dodgers. Uh, I'll take them in seven out of respect to the Giants. And I understand. I think the Dodgers are actually the betting favorites, which I'm not sure why that is. 
um, except everybody picked them all year long, and they won last year. As Ken said on the uh, on the other side, you know, the Dodgers do have the experience. They have so many world champions in there. I was never a big Dave Roberts fan, but, you know, you win a World Series, and suddenly you can manage. It's kind of like Jim Beheim playing, uh, you know, his own defense. He finally won a championship, and then he could coach, because before that he was a bump for 30 years. Or like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a similar kind of thing, you know. Was Doug Peterson ever a really good coach? Well, he was after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and that's, you know, nowadays you only need one. But if you don't get one, like I say, Madden's a great manager who never won one. Buck Walter as well. But more and more, you need one, and then you're validated, even if you're not a great manager. And I find that interesting how that's changed over the years. Well, definitely, yeah. And I tell you what, you, you mentioned about how uh, the Dodgers, and again, unmatched depth of starting pitching. It's going to hurt for them not to have Kershaw. You, you made the comparison there, Kershaw and Sandy Koufax. The comparison I'll make is uh, Trevor Bauer won't be in there because of his comparisons to Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm not talking about how each of them throws their respective spheres. That's another area. But anyways, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the talent on that team, yeah, I mean, I've got them with the Cy Young and Scherzer. I've got them with the MVP and Turner. Unbelievable talent up and down the line. And yet, Ken, this is a thing where the Dodgers, they're the best team money can buy. Talent, spotless, top yep. to bottom. San Francisco, and again, you look at, again, Buster Posey coming back strong. That's a guy, regardless of numbers, that I think is a Hall of Famer because he and maybe alongside, uh, you know, Bumgarner were essentially the Derek Jeters of that championship run. And I think that carries him to the Hall of Fame, uh, regardless of anything else. But his comeback and everything like that, San Francisco, so it's not necessarily career year in terms of, you know, everybody having the best year of their career, but either coming back for a year to where they used to be before falling off again, having an emergence. San Francisco, to me, is just the epitome of t- of a team where, like, so many guys are either having a career year or resurgence. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm with you guys as far as L.A. goes in that, in that wild card game. It's just they're overmatched. And sentimentally, I like Wayne Wright. He's a scrapper. He's, he's up there in the end. And I'd like to see that just sentimentally, but then, but that's not going to happen. So, and then going on to play in San Francisco, I see, I see LA winning that in seven games. I, I'm with you guys. Um, it's good to see San Francisco back in it again. And everybody, you know, all the pundits are out there, or majority of them are sitting there going, "Well, the Dodgers will overtake them. The Dodgers will overtake them." Well, it didn't happen. It's very close. You know, it just didn't happen. So, from again, sentiment. Uh, I'd like to see San Fran win, but just like, but unlike Tampa Bay, they've lost. I don't know. You know, we got a bunch of no names in Tampa Bay that keep going into the rotation. But you know, Trevor Bauer, like you mentioned, Rick mm-hmm. uh, and Kershaw, as you mentioned, Steve. Those are two big linchpins to their rotation. And they just replaced them. I'm looking at a guy I have on my fantasy ball, Gavin Lux. Yep. Now, Tom playing in the outfield, are you kidding me? For Bellinger? Right. Because he's having some, I mean, jeez, Louise. And he's doing a good job. I mean, they just plug him in, plug him in, plug him in. Like you said, best team money could buy. They've got talent and then more talent and then more talent. So uh, I see LA. 
winning it in seven and moving on. And uh, it, it should be an amazing series. And again, for as much as everybody and their grandmother is going to be talking about Boston and the Yankees, uh, the excitement that I have for Dodgers-Giants in October, uh, because we've so rarely uh, ever gotten to see it. I think there was a three-game series in 62 when San Francisco ended up winning the pennant when they were tied in the regular season. But uh, Dodgers-Giants in the postseason is such a rarity, and uh, they and the Cardinals are sort of the three defining National League teams over a period of time as far as pennants and championships. So it's going to be awesome. And, and each of them has had great series with the Cardinals, ironically, over a period of time, who will be playing the Dodgers in the wild card game. The cream always rises to the top, it seems like. And uh, in what we might call the Henry Aaron series, the last one we haven't talked about yet here in the NLDS, <laughs> it's going to be Milwaukee. And thank you, Milwaukee and Atlanta. I see this one going seven. I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. I said I was psyched for a couple of these NLDS and ALDS series. I think it's going seven. Steve Callis, I lean towards Milwaukee, but by the tiniest of margins. Atlanta got it going in the second half of the year, but it's been an uneven year for them, to say the least. I lean towards Milwaukee as well, but this is what Ken was talking about before with the Astros. You talk about Atlanta, uh, and I'll talk about them first. You know, Charlie Morton left left Tampa, wound up in Atlanta, 14-6 and six with a 3.34 ERA. He's also 7-3 and three in the postseason and was real big last year for the Tampa Bay Rays. And Max Fried, I think, has the best curveball in baseball. He's 1407 with a 3.04. Um, they got Ian Anderson and Drew Smiley. But uh, they also have, uh, I think there was only one other infield, but I couldn't find out who it was, where all four infielders had 25 or more homers. So you got Freddie Freeman with 30 and Ozzy Albies with uh, 31, with Ozzy Albies with 30, Austin Riley with 33, and Danby Swanson with 27. Again, I understand the different era we're in. We should probably add some strikeout totals to all the home run totals I mentioned. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you got a guy like Adam Duval who comes over and drives in 45 runs in 15 games and finishes the season overall with 38 homers and 113 RBIs. That's a scary lineup, but I don't know how much you guys have watched Milwaukee. I watched them a little more at the end of the year. And if you get a chance, and you will here, to see Josh Hader pitch, he might be the most dominant reliever I've seen in years, you know, this side of Mariano. Uh, this year, this year, he pitched 58 two-thirds of an inning, and he gave up 25 hits. Yeah. Think about that. 25 mm -hmm. hits and 58 hits. You know, if you go a little less than a hit an inning, you're like a star. Right. And his, his yeah. whip this year is 0 0.835. You never hear a whip that starts 0 0.8. Right. You do hear 0 0.9 on a guy who has an incredible year. And if you got a 1 or a low 1, 1 1.0, whatever, you're incredible. Right. This guy was virtually unhittable, and they have three top, top starters, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. I mean, they've got incredible pitching. Now, they did lose Devin Williams. I don't know if you guys heard about this. He broke his hand punching a wall. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, a, a, Apparently didn't see Bull Durham. Right. And, and, and I'm not even trying to be funny, but, you know, they got they got those three starters, to me, are as good as any three. And Hayter right now is the most dominant pitcher in baseball to me. And you could argue has been for a couple of years, and he's lost in Milwaukee. And then when you get yeah. to the numbers, as always, you know, Abacel Garcia, 29 and 86. 
Luis Arias, 23 and 75. Everybody's got a bunch of these guys. Willie Adamas, who came on, 20 homers, 58 RBIs. And they've got these guys. Christian Yellich had a terrible year for him. Yes. Terrible year. Yes. Nine homers, 51 RBIs, 248 batting average. All year, everybody said, can he come back? Can he come back? Well, maybe he gets a fresh start now. But even though he hit 248, fellas, you guys, especially you, Ken, will appreciate it. 362 OBP. And when you go over plus 100 OBP, that's incredible. And he was also 9 for 12 in stolen bases. I know I'm stretching a little. I kind of like Yelich. Um, but they also have guys like, I don't know where they got the old-timers club from, but Lorenzo Kane, mm-hmm. 13 for 15 stolen bases. Jackie Bradley Jr., 7 for 8. Jace Peterson, 10 for 11. So Milwaukee likes to run a little, and more importantly, they got guys who can actually steal bases. And I know it's less and less, but maybe if you um, aren't going to have a man on second to start the 10th inning, maybe you're going to like have a guy steal a base to get the second. What a concept. So I, I agree it's a close series. It's a Ken Detweiler. Atlanta has all that experience um, and a lot of winning. Um, but I think Milwaukee, I think their time is now, and I'll say it again, if it gets to the ninth inning, watch this guy, Josh Hader, pitch. Uh, I haven't seen anything like him since Mariano, and I believe he's maybe has better stuff. Mariano threw the cutter, as you guys know. But this guy is, to me, virtually unhittable. I'll say it one more time. 25 hits in 58 and two-thirds innings. I assume others have done something like that, but I've never heard of anything like that. I would agree with that uh, as well. Uh, Ken, it's been a three-way consensus on the other three series uh, thus far. Do you make it four for four? Uh, in, in this one, are you saying Milwaukee over Atlanta? Yeah, I do. And for a couple of different reasons, or maybe the main reason is, I think Milwaukee's staff, not only Hater, but I think the whole staff is underappreciated and, and not talked about enough compared to some of these uh, pitching staffs that are in the playoffs. I just think they're, they're definitely, and I was, you know, on the FDH, uh, MLB, uh, breakdown that you had, Rick, which is outstanding mm-hmm. there. Everybody should get in there and watch and look Thank at you. this and learn. But um, the, you have them ranked number three as far as ERA. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it, it could be even higher than that. I just think they're just and for what Steve said, and you probably agree with this too, Rick, they're underappreciated. They're in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. So but uh, I've been watching them too, off and on, and uh, I just—they're just solid as far as the staff, and they can run. Yeah. So, but they, uh, they yeah, can. I'm gonna have to go go with the Brewers. Yeah. So we all uh, agree on those then. All right. Moving ahead to the uh, league championship series here. Uh, this would be—we are forecasting a rematch of 2020 with Tampa Bay uh, and Houston. Uh, last year, it was a little bit of a surprise that uh, Houston made it that far because their regular season, albeit smaller sample size, wasn't that great. Uh, this year, uh, again, both teams would absolutely look legit coming into this here. And uh, in, in looking at this again, this breakdown that we have, uh, there's not much to really separate the two teams uh, in, in a lot of ways here. Uh, that uh, for, for Tampa Bay, uh, they have a very good offense, but uh, being 10th in OBP and 10th in OPS plus puts them a little further behind some of the teams. Uh, 11th in ERA plus, but they really do tend to kind of transcend on this. 
And uh, Steve, I'm saying Tampa Bay to repeat as the American League champions. And I'm with you on that. It's partially hatred of Houston, but partially, <laughs> you know, I reference I reference Jim Beheim, and I'll say this as I was thinking about it. It just strikes me as a lot of times Syracuse does great in the tournament, especially early on, because nobody has seen the zone that they play. And I know it's baseball, but I think Tampa Bay is kind of like when you play them, you're playing against, to some extent, the Syracuse zone. Because, again, you don't know what their lineup is going to be from day to day. You can't really prepare for it. You can look at what they've done during the year. But you don't even know some of the pitchers who are going to come in and pitch. You're like, who are these guys? And, yes, there's great scouting. And, yes, there's analytics. But I still think it's going to be such a surprise. And you can tell me correctly that Houston has the experience and they have all these guys. And they do. Mm -hmm. But Tampa Bay now, last year, you know, they went, they went to the World Series. And I'm not saying they would have won, but had they not pulled Snell, I think at a minimum there would have been a Game 7. Right. And so they haven't gotten over the hump like Houston has, although some people say Houston cheated, and I will. Houston cheated to get over the hump. But they do have those guys who have been around for a long time now. They're very good players. Carrasco seems to be healthy this year. Mm -hmm. um, they, do, they will miss Springer, in my opinion. But I do like Tampa Bay. And I'm going to take Tampa Bay over Houston. And uh, well, Tampa Bay, I think, has the home field. I'll go Tampa Bay in six anyway. I'm saying six. Uh, Ken, how do you see it? Um, gosh, for a change, I'm going to disagree with um, okay. probably both of you guys on this. I'm going to go with Houston uh, in, in seven. And simply because maybe I'm just picking this down, though. No, the reason I'm the main reason why I'm picking Houston over Tampa Bay is simply because I know what it's like to be chewing on a bone for a year, mm -hmm. where you're accused of something, and you've got basically the same team coming back and blah blah blah. Right. And and they they've got something to prove. They're chewing on a bone uh, because these guys at this level are super super competitive. So for that reason. I'm going to go, and this is going to be a phenomenal series, I think, uh, both NL and the AL. Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, I've got, I've got to go with Houston simply because I think they've got it in the back of their mind, and whatever it's going to take is what they're going to do. They definitely do have the, the motivation, no question about that, on a couple of different levels, uh, both from the doubters the last couple of years about how they could do it honestly to the fact that they lost – uh, after clawing back last year in the American League Championship Series to Tampa Bay. Uh, for the Dodgers, uh, this is a rematch of uh, uh, NLCS a couple of years back against Milwaukee. And uh, bottom line is I see it going the same way, Steve Callis. I'm going to say six games this time, Dodgers over the Brewers. You know, I don't have a whole lot to add except I'm with you. They're just too deep. Their pitching is too good, although – Milwaukee, in my view, has as good a pitching staff as they do, but um, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm, you know, I think Muncy is a gigantic loss. I don't want to um, forget about that, but again, I think if they go Bellinger Pujols, you know, I think uh, I think they're going to be okay. They're not going to be Max Muncy, but Pujols can still turn on a fastball. Uh, Bellinger, if he ever wakes up, you know, former MVP, et cetera, et cetera, still uh, an excellent center fielder and an excellent first baseman, so I think they'll be fine there. Um, so I'll go Dodgers in uh, six, um, which will set up 
at least for me, Dodgers, Tampa Bay. But you guys keep going. Well, we're both saying Dodgers and Tampa Bay. And uh, so, uh, Ken, you are saying Houston to come out of the American League. How do you see the National League shaking out? I think they're motivated also. Mm-hmm. But in a different way from Houston because of what happened to them. And they're still booing Houston. And they still there's a hatred there, uh, I believe, anyway. And so I'm going to go with the Dodgers in, in six over Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I agree with Steve. Pitching, I think, lines up exactly. We're trading the same thing here. They're both great pitching staffs. Uh, but I just would like to see, and I think it's because they LA's loaded, um, I think they've got something to prove, too, which, for me, makes a classic World Series. It does indeed. So you're looking at a rematch of 2017, and uh, Steve and I are looking at a rematch of a year ago. Tampa Bay and the Dodgers, and I have to say, just about every time out, because uh, I mean, I think I picked the Dodgers coming into the season the last couple of years, including this year, to win the World Series, just because, again, everything that they have there, it's up to somebody else to knock them out, and until 2020, that was happening every year. They never won the last game of the year until then, and I picked the Dodgers coming into the season. But it takes a machine to beat a machine. Tampa Bay is a very unlikely machine, but we talked about it before. All those different cogs and the ability to mix and match. And the Dodgers are the obvious machine. Tampa Bay is the much more subtle machine as far as the waves of guys that they have. Few of them are household names the way that the Dodgers guys are. Household names in a relative sense. Baseball doesn't do household names anymore, but you know what I mean. You know, consensus, repeat, all-stars. Machine versus machine. I'm taking the team that came up short a year ago. Tampa Bay over the Dodgers in six, I say, Steve. Oh, boy, I'm saying the same thing. I just think, again, it's too much. I just looked at the Tampa Bay schedule. The Dodgers and Tampa Bay, not that they would. They never played an interleague play. And so the Dodgers haven't even gotten a look at them. You know, in the old, old days, when there was just one team winning in each league, uh, it was the most incredible thing because there was no interleague play. Maybe you saw a few guys bat against certain pitchers in the All-Star game, which is why the All-Star game is such a big deal, by the way, as well. And you just didn't have that nowadays. And again, film analytics, but there's still nothing like getting in the box against the pitcher. You can know everything about him. You can know what he throws, how hard he throws, where he throws, how he sets up at it. But until you see it, until you're in the box with him, I think it's a very, very different deal. And once again, yeah, I just think, you know, I, I mentioned Bayheim before. I looked at the Dodgers, Tampa Bay. I looked at Tampa Bay's schedule this year. The Dodgers did not play them in um, interleague play. Uh, again, once upon a time, decades ago, one team in each league, they didn't play against each other. Maybe a few guys in an all-star game faced a pitcher which is why the All-Star game was such a big deal way back when and isn't anymore. But no interleague play with them, so they have not seen Tampa Bay. So they're, in my view, facing you know the Jim Beheim zone, for lack of a better term. Um, so I think they do have enough. They have experience. Yes, the Dodgers won. But Tampa Bay has a lot of uh, World Series experience. I don't think Brandon Lau will be horrific like he was last year. And I think you're going to see so many pitchers in every game that they have a, a chance to just kind of confuse and befuddle the Dodgers. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the Dodgers are great. 
Uh, Scherzer, not a great postseason pitcher. I think he'll be great tomorrow. I think he has a chance to be great. He's not Clayton Kershaw. Um, but I still think that Tampa Bay, uh, long term, uh, has a better opportunity because they're throwing so many different things at the Dodgers. And yes, they did it last year, but I'll say it again, in my opinion, that was aided by one of the greatest mistakes in the history of the World Series. So I do like Tampa Bay. Um, I'll say Tampa Bay in seven uh, because I do think, obviously, they're evenly matched. And of course, if the Dodgers win, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going Tampa Bay this year for a total changeup. Very good points there, Steve. Very good. And uh, Ken, as far as it goes with you, so uh, we both, uh, Steve and I, are picking Tampa Bay to avenge the 2020 World Series. Are you picking the L.A. Dodgers to avenge the 2017 World Series and defend their championship from last year? I am. I'm in seven, seven games, and I think they're going to, I think L.A. is going to beat Houston uh, for the reasons I've said. At least that's my wish and my hope. Um, because of how I feel about what happened with Houston and how they just they never took the trophies back from them or anything like that. So both teams, the Dodgers in my mind, have a swagger that they just look at. Okay, we lost Muncie. Let's just go, like Steve said. Let's just go plug in Ballinger or Pujols. Same way with uh, we were talking about Trevor Bauer and Kershaw. They just plug them in, plug them in, and then. But, Tie that together that they have a swagger, which goes hand in glove. They expect to win, which all these teams do. But these guys, when I look at the Dodgers playing, these guys, they just come out and they just go, okay, let's just roll out the balls and play the game, and then let's go home and shake hands. That's right. And that's just my impression. Uh, But they got to play the games. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers in seven over Houston. Well, we all three of us have the Dodgers uh, being there, which is not a surprise for as great and as loaded that they are. Uh, the Dodgers uh, being in the World Series, uh, the level of surprise to that would be approximate to the level of surprise of the three of us having an outstanding segment together. Because uh, when I have you guys on the show here, it always happens. I cannot thank you enough, Steve and Ken. Thank you both for such uh, an amazing show here today. Always great to be with both of you guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I, same thing with me. Steve, you, and Rick are awesome. And so it was a great privilege, and thank you very much for including me. Well, I uh, couldn't do it without uh, all three of us here together. It just wouldn't be right. Uh, it was it was outstanding. Hopefully we'll get a chance to revisit here before the World Series. But uh, for our 2021 uh, MLB preview for the uh, playoffs, uh, this, this was just so much fun to do. Uh, thank you both, Steve Callis and Ken Detweiler, for being here with me, Rick Morris, for this FDH Lounge mini-episode.